Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LB at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. It's another day here in beautiful, sunny Las Vegas. I am seeing a, a mixture of many worlds down here. It is still a tourist town and there are still people from all over the place. And I am seeing a mixture of people that are uh, being very responsible and precautious and to extend even overly cautious if there is such a thing. And I'm also seeing a lot of people that are just like, man, I am going to throw caution to the wind and do whatever I want to. I Drinking and smoking is way too cool to uh, try and avoid other people. So we're just going to get start drinking and we're just going to start hugging. And uh, it's, it's very interesting down here. It's kind of, it's interesting to see how as a species we can be so different and have so many different ideas, but we can still come together and party and drink and for better or for worse, there's, there's still people moving around from place to place and they're, they're just being people. We're just a, a weird species who we, uh, we seem to love in each other. We seem to love each other. And sometimes we just can't seem to tolerate one another. So it's a, it's a weird world these days. And, and I hope to see more unity in certain places, but I don't know. We're a, uh, we're a very interesting species. So talking about that, uh, that dichotomy, I kind of want to talk about North America and the sales side of the lighting industry and kind of how North America is the United States and Canada. And they're, they're two different worlds. They're, they're kind of the same, but kind of different. So to help me talk about that today is my very good friend, Martin Kelly. He is an account executive at Christie Lights in Toronto. How are you doing, Martin? Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Chris. How are you? Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I appreciate, I appreciate having you. I, uh, you came highly recommended. I've had quite a few designers going like, hey, man, why don't you uh, reach out to some account reps? I'm like, well, that would be great. Who should I reach out to? And then you know who would be fun? Martin Kelly. He would be <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's nice to hear. That's very kind. Yeah, I have a lot of uh, designers in the audience, and they, uh, they've heard enough from some of the other designers. They're like, hey, let, let's hear about the account executive side. And uh, I share their curiosity. I am, as you know, I'm a former all slash current, you know, designer, programmer, director who took the leap to go into sales so I could be home with my kids more. And right. uh, it's... That's another part of our industry where it's two completely different worlds. It sure is. It sure is. Um, it's a lot of work too, right? It is. Yeah. It is. So let's talk about your side for a bit. Let's see. Sure. How did you get into oh, lighting in the first place? Well, you know what? Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of people who've told this type of story, but uh, I uh, I started in high school and uh, 
uh, I joined, I started sweeping the floors of a company called Stage Tech in Toronto around the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, from there, worked on weekends with them and uh, grew from there. Um, I uh, was a tech uh, working on, on different projects. Typically, what we would do is we would light up all of the tables with pin spots, right? Uh, right. And, you know, another lighting company like uh, CSP at the time in, in Toronto um, or Chrissy Lights that was starting to come, come together uh, would do all the, the really cool whiz-bang stuff. Um, so I work with them humping Russian uh, birch uh, stages on my back and building, you know, fashion show, light, light, lighting rigs with steel pars and um, fashion shows in, in Toronto, throughout Toronto. And uh, then uh, Huntley Christie gave me a, a call and uh, asked if uh, I would join Christie Lights around uh, 1995, the end of 95, 96. And I joined Christie Lights. Um, you know, this is the short version, but uh, I've been... You've been with Christie since 95. 95. I took a little bit of a break, you know, because uh, Huntley, Huntley and I have known each other for a very long time. And it's like having a big brother. And so... Uh, uh, in 2008, uh, I left Christie Lights uh, and joined Epic and was right. with Epic I remember for that. a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half, thereabouts. And, uh, and then back to Huntley called me and was like, come on, man. Come on. Come on back. Yeah, there you go. You, uh, you had your little excursion. Now, come on back. 100%. Yeah. So, right uh, and, and here I am. I, I worked in the, as a tech uh, in the film business through the 90s uh, and uh, did, uh, I was a co-designer on a, on a feature film called 54, how about Studio 54, where we designed uh, the interiors um, of, the, uh, of the film in Toronto and in New York. We shot uh, at the, uh, what's, what was fascinating was we went back about a year later to do reshoots and we were um, able to go back into the original Studio 54. Wow. Obviously, yeah, obviously not what it once was, but boy, if those walls could talk. That's uh, it was pretty pretty wild, especially yeah. you know, especially spending two and a half years uh, immersing yourself in the the culture of of fifty four uh, back then uh, to be able to go into that studio and just you know I'm like oh man if I could look in that ceiling or I wonder what's behind that wall anyway it was <laughs> it was uh, it was, was kind of neat to to reshoot there and and uh, kind of even feel that the New York vibe right like Toronto we had we had the studios but uh, but to get to walk to work, to walk to that studio every morning um, uh, in New York was pretty cool. So, nice. Yeah. And then, you know, did, uh, supplied, uh, then I was working with, at Christie Lights, I would do rentals and, you know, we had some uh, account managers like Denis Richard there who was doing uh, more of the uh, concert side, Julio Iglesias and things like that. And I, I started taking some of the, the concert lighting, uh, Socapex and, uh, dimming and all that and started approaching the film business that I was working into. Hey, would you like to rent this stuff? And right uh, so we did uh, all sorts of different films. X-Men was up here and we did a lot of, a lot of stuff up there with that and um, was involved in the, originally with Airstar, the balloons. I don't know if you remember those. Yeah. They're still around now, but yeah, no, still, then, especially was, in the was, film industry. Yeah. So in the film business, I was basically an Airstar uh, balloon tech. I'd turn up and uh, did some wacky stuff with those things. Uh, that was when they first came out. So, so your origin story is a bit different from most. A lot of people either went to a Pink Floyd concert or saw some pretty lights somewhere or they, uh, 
got high and had a moment about some, you know, a band or something and there, or uh, somebody that wanted to get into it for the, the, the music or the travel. But yours is a very, is a far more pragmatic progression. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always loved the idea of light, lighting and uh-huh. uh, I'm, you know, like many lighting designers and lighting uh, reps and techs, uh, I was a drummer. And um, so I think, you know, the, the drumming and, and uh, working I, in high school, I didn't mind acting, but I, I really loved the technical side of it. And uh, so that's, that's what drew me to it. And then I went through the process of, as I said earlier, sweeping floors and working yeah. on weird projects that um, drew me more and more into, into this world that is so fascinating. Did you have any intention of becoming a designer or a programmer or anything like that? No, I, you know, I would have, no, no, I would have, there was times. It wasn't where, in your path, uh, huh? No, no. I mean, I, I DJ dances and things like that. Ooh. Um, I, I, I loved the idea of it, but I just, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had the, had the, the eye really. All right. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like you had any formal sales no. training of any sort. No sales training? No, yeah. Sit there on a Sunday and wait for someone to walk in or give a call and you sell them some gel. That's how it all kind of started <laughs> when, I, when I came to sales. You know? <laughs> no one else wants to be there. Why don't you sit there at the back door and hope maybe someone, you know, some, some band has rolled into town and forgot, you know, and the bulb's gone out. So, you know, um, and that's actually what happened, you know, um, Midnight Hour was uh, Mid- Midnight Oil was in town, and um, and Steve Chopper Borges was the production manager. I remember this. I still have the laminate somewhere. Um, they they walked in the back door of Christie Lights and and was like, uh, "Hey, uh, um, do you have some tape?" And then I ended up <laughs> at the show and met some other people and so on and so forth. So that's it, I, I progressed. So I was renting or selling as well as teching, which I think a lot of people have done, you know, yeah. over time. Right. Yeah. You got to do, like, uh, you got to be diversified for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was enough to get you hooked. You're like, Oh my God, if I sell tape, I get yeah. to go to shows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, back in the day, you've heard it, right. You turn up at the backstage with a, with a bulb and, and, a, and a roll of tape and the security guy's like, no way you're not getting in. It's like, well, you know, it's your job or my job. So, you know, it, like the show's got to go on. So I've, I've got to, I got to get the bulb to them. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. Get him. So, yeah. you know, it's been proven that, that you can, if you're carrying a ladder, you can just walk anywhere. Yeah. So I met, I met a lot of people that way. And, you know, my growth in the business from a sales side uh, into the concert touring uh, business, which has been the majority of what I've been doing over the past, oh, since about 2002 or so, um, was uh, the techs and clients that, that grew out of the the small Toronto base to start and or the people who passed through town, I basically followed them. So some of the designers or I, I'd hire them as a programmer for a film and then their careers grew and um, they became designers for bands and stuff and they phoned me. And so I, I wasn't necessarily set on being in the concert touring business, so to speak. Okay. Or the corporate, you know, so I really followed the designers and uh, what I would call a client or a friend, you know, how it was. Man. So when I think of 
how invisible our industry is. Uh, that's, what, that's what we're designed to be. We're designed to be the ones behind the scenes supporting the people on stage. I just had a moment right now where I was thought about like, well, if our part of that industry is invisible, the sales side is even more invisible because you're supporting the supporting people. And and then I also thought like, man, you get your side, the account reps are so pivotal. When I think of my career as a designer programmer, I have the most gratitude for the account reps, the ones that put me on gigs, the people that trusted me that, and I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for a handful of account reps that were like, yeah, what's, Let's put him on it and let's see what happens. Yeah, you know, uh, like for me, over and above the the designers and the art of it, well, and and as you say, I mean, a lot of designers were techs. Um, But for me, crew is essential. It's essential to executing a good job and uh, building strong relationships. They're they're now a a crew chief and and a tech or a seventh tech on a tour is my eyes and ears. And I take it really seriously. I take, I take these crews, I care about them. And, uh, I, and I would hope that, and I know that it translates to them caring about me, which effectively ultimately helps out the end product of the, de- the design and the show. Like that's what it's all about. So it's not just me dealing with a lighting designer and, um, and you know, just throwing some people at it and uh, hoping it goes well and, you know, overpromise and underdeliver. This is it, it's it's essential. It's so important that the people I put on, I don't hang out to dry, and they're the ones that at times they turn end up being a programmer or, you know, specifically a um, a designer goes, hey man, that that I need that crew chief for every show, every tour, and um, or that you know these techs, programmers, operators become clients. You're actually creating a. A tribe. You're creating a. Uh, you have to find people with the skill sets, obviously, but you're also looking for people that gel with one another because you know they're going to be out there for a really long time. That's a hundred percent it. It's it's you know, you can put people who are really good at their job, and don't fit a particular organization or a partic- particular production, and it's important to recognize that and identify that and move those people around to the right projects um you know my crew chief my lighting tech and crew chief on the killers was with them for six and a half years and what i know in that is i can phone i can phone him and ask him how it's going you know when they're in germany and so on and so forth and he will give me a straight up answer and i also know that he's away from family and friends for a long period of time mm-hmm. and it and it, it, so it means something that he's out there. Like this isn't, you know, it's more than, in, in my opinion, it's more than just a job right. from a, from a crew perspective. Right. Yeah. That must be so hard for you to uh, be able to describe to some of your people, some of your team to say, yeah, I'd love to put you on that, but you're, you're not quite right. I don't know how often it gets said out loud, but it's, it's, it's true. It's like, Hey, I would love to put you on that tour, but they just don't like you. That's or, right. And sometimes, you know what, you have to be uh, brutally honest, right? Like, and um, it's no fun, but I would prefer my clients when I lose a job. I, you know, the, the biggest, it sucks to, 
get a call from Martin Kelly after you haven't given him the job and, and, and have Martin going, so, you know, why can you just tell me one thing of why I didn't get the job? But the grand scheme of things is that information is so valuable for me to learning the mistakes I've made or the reasons why. So I can either adjust how I approach it the next time or understand, you know, the multiple reasons. And so I do that with crew as well, where it's like, you know, th this is the reason, or you need to learn more of that. And the most important part is, is that it typically isn't me that is saying yay or nay. It's typically the rest of the crew that are saying that. So yeah, I get the information where it's like, oh, you know, is there any chance you can get, uh, can we, is there any, anybody else available? And when I get that feedback, uh, when I'm putting my team together, uh -huh. I, I then can now identify exactly what's, what, what the reason is, right? Um, and, and that allows me to put teams together, right? Oh, you get to be the bearer of such good news and such <laughs> bad news. Yeah, totally. You've got the job. No, you don't. Yeah. You know? he, and then you but, also well, have to, you get elected basically by your team to go like, hey, so Martin, you're the one who has to let this guy go. Yeah. And sometimes it's, Sometimes on some of the tours, the tour actually employs them. So you're not even the boss. You're just, you're just the bearer of bad news. Well, those are the tougher, those are the tougher ones. Uh, you know, when you're working on a job that maybe not everybody wants you to be on, you know, um, like if we're talking straight up honest, right? So um, those are tough because um, the communication isn't completely direct. So when that happens, I find is when you do a tour where you have two co-headlining bands. And they have oh, yeah. two vendors, right? Yep. And you have two crew chiefs or one crew chief, but two people that are employed by the other band, crew people. And so what you have is a breakdown of, you know, maybe not for me, but my crew, right? So you have three people from our, uh, the band A and two people from another band. And uh, having everybody work together um, is a lot of talking. It's a lot, there's a lot of, we're in it together. We're, we're out there to do the same thing, even though maybe one of the group of team members didn't get the vendor they wanted necessarily. Uh huh. So um, yeah, those can be challenging, fun days. And even on top of that, you have to be as, uh, as upfront and, and honest as possible because you know that just because somebody didn't work out on one tour, there's no hard feelings. You're like, no, you're going to be perfect on this next tour. And even though I had to shatter your dreams, you don't get to be on that band tour. You're going to go on this one and you're going to be on that one for six months. Oh my gosh. Some, some of the times it's a blessing in disguise for them. They just don't know, you know, like you don't yeah. know. Way, right. And then, you know, and then they're on every, they're, they're heading up every major festival that I've ever done because they're a better one-off festival crew person, front of house tech crew chief than they are touring you know mm -hmm. it touring's not cut out for everybody i know totally understand and some and a lot and there's times where you know a lot of the productions i work with are, are great with taking care of the crew um but you know they're you're out in the middle of nowhere getting pizza at the end of a long 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 day not being able to see your family every single day and being told just you know just do it one more day man it's gonna be great you know no, it's gonna change it's gonna pick up and uh, so that communication, being open and having an understanding of what, what they're going through every day um, and understanding that they're great at what they do. It's just that they're not cut out for this particular project. You yeah. Know, this is what it yeah. comes down to. 
it's really tough to not let your ego get in there and just say, wow, fucking Martin Kelly cut me on this one. I'm never going to work for him again. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. Right. You know, but it's like, I, what I now know, this is comes down to experience. I now know when I get a call like that from a tech, whether it be a crew chief or the seventh on a tour, when I get a phone call, I mean, no, it's going, you know, it's going okay, but I'm not getting along with this person or, you know, it's been really rough. We've had really long days and we're out in the field and it's rain or whatever it might be. Um, I know that call and they're not saying I'm done, but uh -huh. they're saying they're done. And so that gives me a good solid 48 hours to address the situation. Or I can turn my phone off and sit at home and play with my kids and ignore what's going to, what the, the impending doom that is going to occur because the production manager is going <laughs> to phone me and say this, that, and the other, or this person didn't work out. Or now the two crew are team, you know, the team members are not happy with each other, so on and so forth. So when I know the tensions, I need to address it, whether it's address it with production and say, Hey, you know, I know we have seven people on here, but we actually need eight. Mm -hmm. And we have come to terms. We're now a week into the tour. And they're working right till doors. I know you, you see it. We see, we all see it. They see it. They're trying their best, but um, let's talk about this. Yeah. Those, just let it, just let it blow up. Right. Like, uh, you have to be attuned to reading between the lines because there's right. no, there's no Yelp review for Martin Kelly. There's nobody who's say, ah, Martin Kelly did a great job on this one. I give him five stars. It's right. Yeah. They're either going to call you again or not call not, you again exactly. or work for you again or not work for you again. That's right. And I Without, think the most important with all of the, you know, all of this being said, the most important thing is keeping the line of communication open. Like I yeah. want my crew, I consider them the Navy SEALs of lighting, right? Like they're out there That's and, a good analogy. There, you know, they're out there, they're, and they all have a job to do. You, you know, they're not supposed to, the, the, the guitarist is not supposed to look over and see, you know, who the hell is that? Right. They, this is, this is. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lighting team, the Navy SEALs of lighting, right? Just do what they're supposed to do. Get in, get out. And that's what I consider a lot of the team to be. I want them to be able to communicate with me. I want them to know that I'll answer the phone at four in the morning if they've got a problem, if they're, you know, the father's really sick and they think they need to go home. You know, mm -hmm. it's better than having production call me that we're flying so-and-so home because they're, they're parent, and I, I'm not unaware of it. Like, I will always find out. I will always find out what's happened. If you missed a bus, if you were oil spotted, I will find out. It might not be right away. I might be visiting the tour or even more importantly, I might be negotiating the next, next tour and, and I'll be told, well, you know, if so-and-so, and I'll be like, what are you talking about? So I'll always find out. And it's always, it, 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 it's better for me to, you know, be told by my team uh, about things that have happened, good or bad. Um, cause I still, I need the good too. You know, we need the good. Yeah. We want to champion that. We want to go in there and high five everybody. Woo. And then there's the days where I got to go in with a bamboo stick and go here, Chris, I've, we fucked up. I, it was my, <laughs> it hit me, just hit me once or twice. Right. Um, but it's all, it's about being there. It's about being present and it's, and I want my crew who are so important to me. They're so important to me, mm -hmm. uh, being able to, uh, communicate with me. So sometimes there's things that you have to do that are above and beyond what an account rep does like let's say uh somebody calls you to even help you move uh let's use that as an That's example right. yeah no absolutely i'm there for them if i can be and uh you know for example uh actually you know bringing that up 
I've helped uh, AJ Penn, lighting designer AJ Penn, move and and pack up and and specifically actually during COVID here, where we were in masks the whole nine yards, hadn't seen any anybody in uh, in a while. So that was about as the best social interaction I've had with um, <laughs> with with any clients. Right, right. It's like let's how how much do we have to hump down hallways? What do we got to do, man? Like this is and uh, you know it was, it's it's good too. I've, he they are friends you know this traditionally the- that's not the role of an account executive that's the call <laughs> that's the role of a, of a friend yeah that's true. you know but that's what we are these days it, it's it happens next thing you know you're like oh my god you're not only my client you're my friend and uh you know we've gone to enough lunches we've gone to enough dinners we've shared enough experiences we've done so many things that you know you like next thing you know you're like oh my god you're you're my friend and, yeah, uh, I mean, it, 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 that's very true. I, you know, I've been to weddings of, of clients and, and which are, who are friends and, and they've come to my wedding. And I remember specifically uh, the production manager will remain nameless. Um, my wife was giving birth and um, this is not a very good story because my wife was giving birth and, and uh, the phone rang uh, just as um, I, I hadn't even hold, held the baby. And the phone rang and we, I was dealing with some big issues, right? Uh, on a project. And, uh, and I looked over and I was like, uh, do you mind just a second? Crazy. Took the call. <laughs> Took the call. And he, and, and the, the production manager went, Hey man, congratulations. And I went, congratulations. What do you mean? Like, what, how do you, what, how do you, he goes, oh, I hear, I hear you had a baby. I'm like, no, what? yeah. I mean, I haven't even, so someone had called and said that I was, on my way to the, or I was at the hospital and had a baby, but I hadn't actually had the baby yet. So, um, uh, pretty They wild. still called you. Still called. Yeah, no, we had, we had yeah, no, I need, uh, I need, you know, I'll never live that down with my wife. And that was probably pretty disrespectful to actually take the call. But, uh, but, um, at the same time, that's the kind of relationships we've built o- up over the, you know, several decades. As, uh, as a hardworking male, uh, role I, I hear you it's a tough one we it, we've we've been trained we've been told that that's our role as men is to take that call no matter what it's to you know a lot of people don't understand that that is tied to our provider genetics you know yeah. We, we have to we have to rise above it sometimes and you know yeah well that's right for sure we, <laughs> but it's not easy i know and I, I think i think you know uh, the example really is is a, is a, of how intertwined our relationships are in this business like that's what it really comes down to and you know not everybody would do what i did and maybe that wasn't the right thing to do but I did, <laughs> you know, you know, it happened no you know it happened but but the point is is that we we live and breathe not only this business but our lives, right? Like, you know, um, there's no real off time. You know, we, we, we try, you know, uh-huh. I'm going away, you know, I'm going away, I'm doing this, or I'm working on this project, I can't take your call right now, or this or that. But the grand scheme of things is, and our families live it too. Like, I don't know any client or, um, you know, rep that family isn't involved in, in, in this business. You know, I'm not I, like, I know my wife's business a little bit. I've gone to a Christmas party, so I've met a couple of them, but man, <laughs> she knows more about 16 inch trusts and, you know, and moving lights and road case sizes than I know about what she does. And it's because they just <laughs> live and breathe it, right? Like we live and breathe it. And so unfortunately they're, um, 
you know, they're, uh, they're involved as well. And, and it, it also works well as a sales rep in the grand scheme of things, because, you know, this is family really. And, you know, them uh, knowing my family and my kids um, and me knowing their family and their kids is, um, is an important part of executing um, really sometimes tough, tough projects in short periods of time. So mm -hmm. you need to trust and understand each other, you know, and that, and so all of it comes around. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, my client could be like, I'm going to call your wife and say, if you didn't, you know, if you don't get this. <laughs> so anyway. But, yeah. We're such a family oriented industry because yes. a lot of the times, not only does our job take us to around the world to like actually be in the place with our family, but when we're in, when we come near our family, they want to come to our job, which is so true. I can only imagine that outside of our industry, that doesn't happen to the same degree. There's nobody who's a, a CPA going like, Hey, you're in town. Can I come down and watch you file papers? And yeah, fill out sit, tax forms? cubicle right there oh wow what's that oh cool ruler wow that is amazing man what what program are you using for that uh can i go meet your boss and get a get an autograph that would be great yeah, do we really need to put money in that uh, snack machine can't we get some for free <laughs> <laughs> can i go to your break room and have some some other people's food that'd be great yeah but i mean that roti is amazing <laughs> no <laughs> That's not you. That's not ours. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, yeah. And, uh, the know last and, you know five what? times I saw my family was because of traveling with our job. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that that's part of it, right? Like, it's like, you know, it's almost like you get, you get a bit of a pass here because uh, unlike the nine to five jobs that many, many people have, it just doesn't exist in this business. And so when we're on holiday or it's, it's 7 PM and you're sitting down for dinner with your family and uh, you get an email or a call, you know, um, this, this business, it, I, you know, it's almost like learning the emotions of poker and not being phased. When you receive an email and you look at it and you go, Oh man, I got to deal with this right now. It'd be better not to look at the phone. And mm -hmm. so what happens is, is you look at the phone and you're having dinner with your family and you see, Oh, this email, I got to address this. Dinner's different. Dinner's different. And so even yeah. after three decades of being in this business, I still, you know, work towards managing that emotional time with the business versus with my family and try not to mix those two. But that's why I say it's a bit of a pass. I mean, ultimately they live vicariously through us, this crazy business. Yeah. Uh, you kind of touched on something that uh, a lot of people don't fully understand, but the nine to five lifestyle doesn't exist in the entertainment business. No, uh, I, I've thought that I found it at least four times. I mean, I've, uh, this, I, this is the fifth time I've quit touring, look, seeking for something like a nine to five. And I always think I want it. And as soon as I think I, I'm there, it, it just disappears. There's no, there's no nine to five, not. Well, yeah. And I think, you know what, to be, you touch on something here where it's like, uh, I know a lot of people who have wanted to come off the road or have come off the road or have said they've retired and coming off the road. Some of them are in their twenties and it's like, no, 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 you haven't retired yet. <laughs> but, but people want to come off the road. They just can't do it anymore. And I understand it's, it's, you know, they want to start a family and do other things. Uh, the, the, what happens though is, is that they come off the road and that adrenaline rush of, doing a show and executing and all that, it's very, very hard 
to duplicate anywhere, anywhere. And uh, maybe a fighter pilot. I don't know how you know. Or, or, <laughs> I don't know what like a fighter that. pilot schedule I, is. I don't know, but but uh, the thing is, is that with with uh, our schedule, what happens as an account manager, as you now know, is that you're just perfectly still. Um, <laughs> No, I think that uh, what happens as an account manager, we are in a situation where we, uh, our jobs intertwine and go on top of each other. So um, when you're out on the road, you might work with one job and then another. Um, for us as an account manager, we've got many, many balls in the air and it never really ends. So you never really have that kind of satisfactory, like it's over. Now we'll go on to the next one. It's always many all at the same time. So that's, that's where that, that nine to five, it just, just doesn't happen. Yeah. In fact, I've got a, a very genuine question as somebody who's new to the sales side. Did it used to be any easier? Did it used to be where you only needed like four or five clients to get you through the year? Cause I don't feel that's the case. I feel like I need to be constantly reaching out to people and constantly uh, making contact and just you know, I don't know if it's, is it, I think, has you know, it changed? I don't know if it's changed that much. I think um, it's, it's more about uh, maybe the margins are a little bit different, but I think uh, focusing on individual people, uh, you win and lose with them. So some years are better than others. I had a hard time saying no or turning down a job or not taking it until my wife started to remind me about what it was going to take to take that job. Uh-huh. Right. Because I'd be like, I got to go. I got, I got to take this call. I've got to, this is really important. And then I'd come off the phone and she would ask, uh, you know, she would ask a few important questions that sometimes we don't as reps or just as people in this business ask, which is, you know, qualifying everything. And so, and who, you know, there's this fear of missing out as well. There's a bit of FOMO. Yeah. Right? Because like one day, you know, uh, this person is doing one job and then another day uh, they're not doing anything anymore, but you still need to stay in touch with them and, and, and hang out with them. And so there's, it, there, it's a challenge. Like for me, what was really, you know, I love to go to shows. I love to go to shows because I love seeing the art of lighting and, right. and, and the whole, and music and all that kind of stuff. But also, it's a hell of a lot easier to go see a client or a, um, a potential client in my hometown. I missed a night, but I'm not right. flying to Vegas for a few days to uh, hang, you know, go and see them and hang out. So it's, the thing is, is that you know enough people in the business as you do, you, you could be out every night. Yeah, that's tough. So it's, manage, it's managing that, right? It's like, it's qualifying it. Um, uh, it's, oh, it's so, especially when I was in Vegas where people could be in town like, hey, so we're God. in town tonight. You got to come on. You're like, it's Tuesday. My kids are asleep and my wife needs a I can't a imagine living in Vegas in the entertainment business. Like I, you know, Toronto is a, is a, a bustling music uh, city and events city, corporates as well. There's every single night of the, of the week, I could either be invited out or I could invite myself out. Or uh -huh. I could, you know, hit up a client that's just finished, you know, you and I've gone for dinner after, yeah. after a show here and there. So, um, it, it, I can't imagine being in LA or, or Vegas oh, just, yeah. just all day, every day. And then you have to really qualify. Like you really kind of got to go, Oh my God, what do I do? 
So, you know, I, I don't know if it's changed much. Uh, I think that it's really some guys are better, better than others at, you know, um, managing their time, I guess. See, I, I've heard these legends of entire production companies and rental houses that were forged on one band. And that's all they needed was that one band. And then they, they extended, expanded to two bands. And then... Yeah, yeah, that I think sounds that, so. Yeah, uh, it, it's all it, that. That really, I think, reflects on relationships and and it. Yeah, and, you know, um, commitment. When you look at someone like Cosmo, right, who's just done ACDC tour after ACDC tour, right? There's uh -huh. there's relationship and commitment there, and so I think maybe now there's a little less um, commitment all the way through a career with um, with a company or. A, a crew or a designer like there, cause there's many f facets. There's managers that change that want different deals or no different people. So that, that growth is, um, can be stunted, I guess. Uh -huh. You know, I have a few clients that, that have been with me for 20 years uh -huh. and, um, and we don't do every single job together. Right. Um, cause there's some that are just not right for me and, uh, learning that, in itself was, was, you know, another little stepping stone in, in, in account management or sales. Oh yeah. Say, right. It's like, you know, you, you want it, you want it all. You've been, I've been to your wedding. What do you mean? Like, come on. And then, and then you realize, no, 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 this, this isn't right for me or you. So we're good. Oh man. That's uh... then sleeping at night. Right. And then you go, yeah. go to bed. <laughs> no, I can only imagine where somebody uh, pressured let's say Cornelius, the LD, they're like, Hey man, so this one doesn't go to these different places. So we're going to need, we're going to need you to get a local vendor from this one. Who's the co the cousin of the guy who does the thing. We, we just need you to not use your normal guy on this one. That's right. And that person has to call you and say, Hey man, it's totally out of my, out of my hands. You know what? That is no hard feelings. No, it used to be the worst call in the world, but it, it, it's, it's one of the better calls because you're you're you've got the open line of communication where mm -hmm. you're getting the real deal because the the sitting up late at night after you've put a bid in talking to someone who's not comfortable telling you you're not going to get the job <laughs> is no fun man like no. it's stressful because you're like oh let's go for a beer yeah no yeah we'll, we'll go for a beer in a day or something there's just this it's it's not easy and it's uh it's so sometimes just being able to build a relationship where it's like, Hey, I mean, I got a call recently from a client was like, Hey man, heads up, you know, this is what's going down. And, uh, and I appreciate that. Like it's, thank you very much. Well, I, I still won't sleep tonight, but, but it's better than a week of this. It's a bit, uh -huh. it's like pulling the bandaid off. And, um, and, uh, and it also reassures me my relationship with them. Yeah, I would much rather get a phone call like, hey, Martin, you're not going to get this one, as opposed to just getting unfriended on Facebook and then never yeah. hearing from that person again. <laughs> like, what? What happened yeah. to Cornelius? He was such a good guy. I, I don't yeah. know. Made, is he alive? I don't know what's happening to Cornelius. Yeah. No, I mean, this, it, it, it's an amazing business because, you know, we were we interact with lighting designers, your designer yourself and a lighting director, mm -hmm. and uh, it's an art. And it's amazing, right? And we're we're basically, um, you know, my older son probably thinks dad, you know, is a box company, right? 
Um, but, but it's so much more than that. And I think that that's, that's the unique part of all of this is, is that, that we take that box and that product in there and it is, it turns into something so fantastic based upon a specific designer. It's, you know, it's one of the brushes in a, in a tool toolbox. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that working with designers that have all sorts of different, um, you know, sometimes we're asking designers not to just do the art of design. It's like, hey, man, tell me how much money, you know, what do you have price-wise? And let's figure this out, you know, and, and I know they have to deal with that, but the, they just want to put lights up and make it really cool. You know, do I really need to deal with all the business inside stuff, Martin? Um, and uh, yeah, sometimes you do. Are you, uh, are you finding that happening more and more where people just go like, hey, this is the budget. I need a design that fits into this budget, whatever you got. No, I don't think so. I think that's going to happen more and more after what we've gone through. I think that uh, we're going to go back to a little bit more of, hey, um, yeah, this is my budget. I do have clients that that do that. Um, and specifically, mainly they're look, going after a new client. Okay. Or, you know, this is the favor. Like how many favors do you get, right? Like, right. right? And so th this is, this will be like, hey man, you know, what do you have on the shelf? I got no money or very limited, little money. Uh -huh. and let's make this happen. And that's, that's where relationships are super important. Yeah. Because, you know, being in this business for so long, when you do that and nothing comes back or you, you know, then you suddenly realize and go, wait a minute. You know, I stopped doing things with my family. I went and did this and I gave it for free or I did it for no money. And in the end, nothing really came of it. So it's really important to, when you're building relationships, your clients know, hey man, this is, I'm going to make the call now. This is, I'm going to need three of the, you know, I'm going to need to do this three times this year. Um, so uh, that was a, lo a little long-winded in regards to do people, uh, give a budget and ask I agree. I think it's going to be happening a lot after uh, post COVID. I think it's going to be a lot of people going like, man, we have a very small window of possibility to make this happen. Can you, can you help us out? And I think that's going to be, think, yeah, it's resetting the clock a little bit, you know, yeah. that, you know, that it, it taught it. You're really bringing up a, a point about um, how product is utilized. Right. Right. Because we've got, we've gone from, uh, a few channels for a light to hundreds and hundreds of channels per light. Right. Right. And so, um, and four universes used to be a thing. You're like, oh, yeah, you got four universes. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's shows that, you know, there's shows that don't, um, that the, the fixtures aren't being utilized to the same extent as they, as they could be. Right. Um, you know, yeah. if someone, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to say how it's going to end up going, but I think, yes, there's going to be a little bit more leeway towards uh, the vendors uh, saying, Hey man, what do you have? Or like, I have this conversation, you know, Christy lights is a company that has um, a spe specific set of um, tools in the toolkit. Uh -huh. And, yeah. um, but we can get anything as well. Yeah. And there's times where, um, you know, I brought in all sorts of different types of lights. Um, yeah. And I think that may be different and or the relationship will be a commitment. When you say you're going to use these on all your shows for the next two years, <laughs> you're actually going to use them for all these shows for the next two years. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, that's important. And yeah. And I think that that's, uh, but, you know, it all. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we're, where we're going to. 
where it's all going to end up. So you touched on a, a thing that I want to discuss more, and I, I think you and I can uh, commiserate on this one. Reaching out to our clients slash friends during the, the isolation period, it's tough because like we as I have a quota of people that I need to know that I'm doing my job. And you, but there's only so many times you can reach out to somebody going like, hey, just checking in, see how you're doing. And they, their initial reaction will be like, well, he's checking to see if there's any work or if I have right. any jobs for him. But no, like people like you and I, we're genuine also, we're also genuine people, 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 yep. per, person, people. Right. Yeah. No, no. And they're like, no, I'm genuinely just checking in on you to see how you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's only so many times you can do that during the isolation period. You go in like, well, I'm just checking in. And you're like, yeah, still, still, still don't have any work. Like that, I swear, I'm not asking. Yeah. I'm no, I agree. actually just genuinely checking in on you. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I, I, that's exactly what I'm doing. I, I text people, I call them and, uh, I tell people a little story and I'll tell you right now, you know, when I back to, let's roll it back to AJ Penn. Right. And I saw we were loading his van and there was a bicycle there, right. It was an awesome road bike and I don't ride bicycles, but anyway, in the grand scheme of things, um, I asked if I could borrow it and, uh, and I still have it. Um, and so the first three, you know, the first three months of, of COVID was reaching out to people saying, Hey, how's it going? And then, uh, you know, at night I'd have a few drinks at home and kind of go, what am I going to do? What's going on? What, what, you know, who am I going to call tomorrow and wake up a little grumpy because I'd been drinking and doing whatever, like just hanging out and, and, uh, and just getting down. And then I got this bike and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start riding. And jumped on the bike at six 30 in the morning and started riding and it reset the clock for me. Um, you know, it clears the mind, does all sorts of different things. And ultimately it allows me to have conversations with people, uh, with lighting designers, directors, crew, techs, production managers. I mean, it's one of many little conversations we can have, but it's, 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 uh, it's about talking about things that we can do to help ourselves out in our mind. So some people are in really into cooking. I'm into cooking, but I need their recipes because I'm not that good. And so you start to learn a whole new thing about, I mean, this was long winded, but you, you start to learn a lot more about your client and to also let them know you're in the same boat as they are. And we need to find different ways to get through this. Yeah. It's uh... you can talk about how shitty, you know, the shitty situation we're in it sucks there yeah there's no doubt you know there's no doubt that we're all in this uh, together and it really sucks but the key here is to reach out and to you know make sure that everybody is okay competitors clients um future clients ex-clients yeah. i've contacted people who don't do business with me at all right just yeah. to see how they're doing right and um you know, just have the, the more than just the chat about how shitty it is and figure out yep. a way to, um, you know, the bicycle thing, what I was trying to say with the bicycle thing is, is I found my little spot right now that nice. allows me to take that anxious energy that we would usually spend on an 18 hour day juggling shows and visiting clients. And, and it allows me 
in the morning to, you know, reset my clock. And nice. I feel better, right? The first three months, I didn't know what I was going to do. What, what are we going to do? You know, what's going to happen? Oh, it's going to, it's going to clear up in a couple of months. But so I think we need to stay in contact with our clients in that way. And I think now, I don't know how you feel, but I think now more people, it's going to be harder to go. So uh, do you want any lights? Because we're going to be in a whole different place by the time this ends, right? Like we're going to, we're not even going to be talking about lights. I'm like, can you send me that uh, recipe? You know, you said you were going to send that recipe. I'm really waiting for that recipe. It's like, why do you keep texting? Because I need that recipe. I told my, my, my mother-in-law is coming in. Oh, how I look forward to that day where somebody's like, hey, man, you want to talk about lights? Oh, yeah, I know. I used to love, I mean, I still, to this day, I love talking about lights. It's my favorite thing to do is what I got into doing. And now it's the last thing people want to talk about right now. They're like, hey, yeah, let's. Uh... Know. You, know what's, you know what's wild is in um, talking about lights. So in 1995, I went to Lollapalooza. And as a punter, now I was in the business. I was, you know, doing the lighting stuff, but I was in the business. I was a, was a punter and I went and saw this show. and. Sonic Youth headlined. Unbelievable show. And there was a specific effect that the lighting designer queued up that just blew me away. The stage is, it was at least 1,200 star strobes. And one, one click of a button, boom. And the whole Lollapalooza stage is just moving. And I'd never seen anything like it. I was like, what is this? This is crazy. What, fast forward 26 years or something like that. 2018, I'm in 2018. Um, I'm supplying a festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. are headlining. Okay. And I'm talking with the lighting designer about the patch and working with our front of house tech and we're going back and forth. And I, oh my God, this is Susan Sasek. This is the lighting designer for Sonic Youth. This is, that's that, this is the same designer. This is awesome. So I went during, um, during uh, overnight programming session, I went to front of house and had a chat with her. And I was like, listen, I got to tell you that whatever, I, I couldn't remember the date, but 1995, I saw Sonic Youth fucking just blew my mind. And, uh, and she's like, oh my God, I still, I still have a few of those star strobes in my, uh, in my loft in New York. Um, and what I, you know, it's, it's what was amazing about this is was it was a tiny, it was a small product, like this little star strobe that we use at Halloween or something to that effect at such a massive level was so spectacular. It was just for me and I'll, I won't forget it. And it's moments like that, that keep us in the business. This is what keeps us going is you see a show, you see a, mo a moment in a show and you're like, wow, that's amazing. It, and these keep happening. It hasn't stopped. Yeah, and that's just one moment for one person at one concert. Yeah, that's right. And that story is repeated billions of times. And that is just, uh, it's just not there for us right now. And it's the that's, saddest thing in the world. And, you know, yeah. when, I know, I know when we come back that, you know, th that excitement, not just for me, like, because I'm in the business and I get excited about it and I get the goosebumps. I know, you know, people, it, people, need these this is what yeah. helps them through bicycle cycling right now for me gets me through but i can tell you that's just a little little there's people that that need shows they need this outlet and so it will be back the question is when it will be back we all don't yeah. know subconsciously somebody knew that too they knew that when they invented the star strobe <laughs> that it was going to be used in a concert 
and they knew that it was going to be used to create a moment. A moment, a moment, right? It's, it's pretty amazing. And that's what we live for, right? That's, what, that's what's so amazing about the art of lighting design and designers and how important they are, right? Because then an artist 20 years later, 20 plus years later goes, I want that designer because of that moment, like not that specific moment because of maybe the Sonic Youth design or, you mm -hmm. know, the Billy Joel, like another one, which is amazing is Steve Cohen's Billy Joel show, right? I remember seeing that and I'd been in the business for, I don't know, 20 some odd plus years and he invited me to a show and I went and saw it and I was like, oh my God, no set, trimmed at 40 whatever, uh, what looked like 20 follow spot operators up there. And it was like, what? It, it was like a painting. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, and, and designers still do that every single day for us, right? Even though we've been yeah. in it, you think you've seen everything and you're like, bah, you know, we've seen 5,000 shows and you've seen it, but you haven't. There's always new creative ways of making these lights do some pretty fucking cool things. There's no determining factor either that's going to create that moment. You know, a, a star strobe is, it's not that spectacular, but when used properly... You know, there, it's not like it was the, oh, this is the most expensive uh, equipment on right. the market. This is going to make a moment that. And I think, and I think that this is rolls back, you know, rolls back to what we were talking about when it comes to um, how it will, how it will go later with, uh, with suppliers and vendors where it'll be the designers will go, oh man, you got three of those. That's pretty freaking cool. Let me, let me see what I can do with this and yeah. still take the new cool products you know, the, the heavy lifting, so to speak, yeah. but you'll have some of these other unique products that were, that were probably top of the line last year and, and, and be like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll grab a couple of those too. And, uh, and the creative, I think we're going to see some pretty cool creative things happen with designers that have been pent up, you know, splashing paint on, on, on some canvas and now ready to go and put it out on, on, uh, on, on the road. Yeah. We're definitely gonna have to do more with less for a little while. I, I, I don't see any way pretty, around that. I, I agree, but I, it'll be pretty creative. I think there's going to be some creative stuff that comes out of it. Uh, so one of the reasons that I wanted to get to you a little bit more today is because Christy, like most of our industry is a, is an international company and when things like this happen, the, the isolation period, the, the, the pandemic, the COVID, when borders start to close, it, is a, it has a huge impact on all of us. And people who go to the same office every day, they don't even know what that means for us. Closed borders makes our life difficult at best, impossible at worst. That's right. That's right. No, you're 100% right. And... Uh, depending on what side of the border you're on, whether you're in Europe or in Canada or in North America or South America, you have a different perspective on, on you know, the process and where, where we're at. And um, uh, sadly, what you say there makes me feel like, uh, you know, it's going to take a vaccine to, for us to tour across proper borders. But I'm no epidemiologist. Yeah, me neither. Uh but we have a different perspective in Canada, for example, we've, we've seen a different perspective on, on how it's, you know, how it's been managed um, that versus other countries um, and specifically mm -hmm. our, you know, land friends, the U S uh, on how 
um, unified uh, both parties, liberal and conservative, from the top have been, the message has been pretty clear on uh, wearing masks and social distancing. Um, and uh, the rollout has been slow and managed. And I don't know if that's partially because uh, our medical community um, experienced SARS many years ago, which I remember. I mm -hmm. remember that. Um, what was wild about the SARS situation was I, I was working on a movie called Shall We Dance at the time with Jennifer Lopez, and it was filming in Toronto. And they, when SARS hit Toronto, which we were like the epicenter um, of it, they moved production to Winnipeg. I was like, oh. and we all moved to Winnipeg and we shot the film in Winnipeg. From an insurance perspective and everything else, it was, you know, they couldn't shoot it in Toronto. What's okay. wild is, is they moved it just to Winnipeg. And now we have COVID, right? Where it's like, you can't really move it anywhere. Like, no. There's nowhere you no. can go, right? And um, no. so, I mean, we still have it up here. It's not to the same extent. Um, we are, you know, if we take our foot off the gas, in my opinion, we take the foot off our gas, uh, it'll, it'll explode. And so we have to really yeah. manage this. And, and, uh, and so far, Canada has been doing a reasonably good job. But I don't want to, you know, we can't really pat ourselves on the back because it only takes a couple of days to, to spread like wildfire. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me from where you are in Vegas, um, like it's a little bit different. The, the attitude is a little bit different everywhere, isn't it? In regards to wearing masks and things. And, or uh, I'd like to think I have kind of a unique... Uh, look at this one because I've experienced the the same pandemic in Las Vegas. I've been here for almost 55 days now. And I also spent uh, four months in Ontario. Ontario's all the way back to phase three. The yep. the kids yep. are going to be going back to school very shortly. Yep. Yep. And my kids are going I, I back to school. I want to say three more than, oh, I don't, I lose myself with these big numbers. I want to say it's like $3 million was spent on uh, additional resources to get the kids back to school safely and effectively and mm, oh, social yeah. I mean, they're doing what they can you know we don't have unlimited budget so there's no right answer to making this happen right um uh, and so there's still i think this is the biggest hurdle for canada right now is to the back to school right and it's how right. we're gonna from a from a health perspective and a political perspective if we can get through this september you know we know there's going to be cases we're going to see how this all goes that's going to determine how our next year is going to be in canada right? Whether touring events, larger events across Canada will happen. Uh, I think this is a start anyways, but this is my opinion. It's not fact. Um, yeah. I think in the U.S. it's a bit different. And that's what, what kind of tells me, as you were saying, right? Like it's like one state is, is, has a different attitude. So yeah. when can we go from one state to another? I'm not sure, right? Like, how did you feel flying in? Like, was there any issues or, you know, um, I because you can't. Did you, fly, did you fly from Buffalo, for example, or no, where, where, Detroit? All right, so I can, I'll back it up a little bit. I can't yeah. lie; I, it was a huge discussion between my wife and I as to if I was going to leave Canada to go to the hotbed of Las Vegas for work, and uh, it, it was a long discussion. I'll uh, here's the I'll try and keep this as short as possible. But because when I was originally flying to Vegas, I was going to fly out of Detroit. That wasn't a big deal pre-COVID. But now with COVID, if I go from, I have, there's an international border in between there. So if I drove across, I would have to park my car at Detroit airport for 55 days at $23 a day. That wasn't a, a good option. Or I could have my wife drive me but then she would have to come back across the border and then she would have to quarantine for 14 days because she came into Canada. 
her quarantining for 14 days with two kids while I'm in Las Vegas was definitely not going to happen. So what we ended up doing was I ended up, my wife and I drove from Windsor to Toronto. We stayed the night in Toronto. Then I flew out the next day just to fly back to Detroit. Really? Wow. And then you did a flight from Detroit to Las Vegas. And then Las Detroit to Vegas. To Vegas. Oh. And it was nice. Delta treated me very well. Yeah, there was, yeah, yeah. The, all the middle seats were okay. out. Uh, yeah. I have enough status that I got bumped up and it was, it was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it I miss it. Funny enough, I miss, I miss flying. I, I had no idea how yeah. that was my Zen moment was being yeah. on an airplane. That's, you know, yeah. we're we're in this because we we like the travel. It's, it's funny undeniable because, you know, for us. Yeah, I mean, we we probably like there's too much uh, selection on Netflix and things like that now. I'm I'm used to being on a plane where there's like six movies and that's that. And you know, <laughs> suddenly I've got Netflix at home and I'm like, I don't know what to do here. This is crazy. <laughs> you know, there's too much selection. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I miss traveling. I miss seeing my friends from around the world. Like I miss that. I do miss yeah. that. Um, uh, I think that that's part of an account manager thing that we don't talk about so much is, is that, is that um, we can do Zoom calls till we're blue in the face and call and text all we want. But those lunches, dinners, brief meetings, uh, you know, um, those moments in time uh, around the world at events, things that happen are, are what make this, right? And make and, mm -hmm. and build and strengthen relationships. Yeah. I wouldn't have the relationships I have without being on site. There's no, no doubt. Like me just answering a call, answering the phone would have never gotten me to where I am today. It's being with people. You know, we, the, the, the one thing I have to say is, is that we're social beings and we need it. We'll be back. Yeah. It's just a question of how, how we do this. And, you know, Canada seems to be doing a reasonably good job, but we are beholden to everybody else and, and everybody else is beholden to us. So. Yeah, I feel like living up in Canada, I, f I just don't see the politicization of the pandemic the same way I do in the United States. I, I don't see a huge divide between the, the liberal and the conservative. Everybody's just kind of like, well, let's listen to the epidemiologist. What do you have to say? We should do that? Okay, let's, let's see what we can do to make that happen. Yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's, and, and it's coming from the top and, and ultimately, um, we're giving it a shot. You know, yeah. Years from now, it might not be right. Uh, it won't be wrong, but it, it no. might not be the, you know, it's not the perfect solution, but I think yeah. that, that, um, you know, we, we've got, at some point, like a captain on any ship or anything, you got to make the decision to do mm -hmm. something. And, um, and, uh, you know, I don't, we watch, um, in the U S we see the numbers go up. I know, um, I know several people who have lost friends and family in the U S and I have not, um, I have not had the same experience here in Canada. Interesting. Like brothers, grandparents. Um, you know, I, I had a, a very good friend of mine's, uh, um, mother pass away in New York early on. And, um, that really you know, brought it home. That's tough. So no, it just, it just really told me that this was something that we need to really pay attention to. Yeah. So. Uh, one of the best analogies that I can think of is the hydroxychloroquine topic. <laughs> yeah. The, so in Canada with universal healthcare, it's, it's all but illegal to advertise for medicine because 
medicine shouldn't be advertised. Medicine should be prescribed by doctors in a proper setting. Yeah. A, a patient should never be going to a doctor and say, hey, I need Zoloft. A doctor should be saying, hey, so after everything I've looked at, you need Zoloft. The right. idea of politicizing medicine is absolutely asinine to me. Now, having lived in Canada for almost three years now, I had no idea how weird it is to be down here and seeing advertisements for medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you ad why does your medicine need advertising? No, it's it's it is it it is strange. It also, you know, it there's something to be said for the fact that people can't um you know, maybe people aren't going to doctors because they got to pay for it all the time, right? Like there's something that you know, it's concerning. It is, it is very concerning. Well, I mean, especially if you have diabetes and you've got something funky with your foot and you don't get it checked out and then you have to have it amputated. Like it's just one of these things where you want to make sure that people, you know, are stay healthy. I, I know I've had bands that have come to Canada and, you know, some of our, some of our uh, pharmaceuticals are, are over the counter versus, uh -huh. you know, you know, so they're they like, Hey man, can you get a box of Voltaren, please? Voltaren, what do you need Voltaren for? His knees, his knees, he needs them for his knees. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, well, well in the U S it's probably a thousand dollars a vial. That's so. probably it. Are yeah. you, um, are you, uh, comfortable in Vegas? Are you at a hotel or are you, uh, at home? like you don't have a host house there anymore? Do you? I still own my houses here. They're all rented out, but okay. uh, no, I'm in a hotel. Yeah. And, and how long are you going to be there? Is this 55 days. 55 days. days. Yep. And are you, uh, and so is it, uh, is it an event in one place? One place. It's a, it's a reconfiguration of a current project. Right. It's nice. Uh, the hotel I'm staying at is far more precautionary than most. They are right. doing a great job at, uh, maintaining a high level, I would say a five-star level of safety and precaution. The hotel is, I'm, I'm not, I won't speak for all of the, the hotel guests, but uh, they're doing everything they possibly can for sure. That's amazing. And even still, I, from the stories I've heard from Canada, it's three times as, uh, as strict. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think also, I, I, I think there's also, you know, uh, people are just following, you know, the polite Canadians. We still, you know, we still have issues, right? Like, yeah. We still have people who are breaking rules and this, that, and the other, and, you know, uh, don't want to uh, go by. But at the, at the same time, we're in a place where, you know, it was strange when we started wearing masks, right? You weren't sure if you wouldn't wear a mask, if you should yeah. be wearing a mask, and people be like, man, funny if you're wearing a mask. It seems now this is just it's just business as usual. Let's just get this done. And, you know, ultimately for us and our business, we know, you know, we know that uh, like, let's just try this out. You know, yeah. um, we, we do, we do this with shows all the time. Let me put the light there and try it out. Well, let's just put masks on and try it out. And let's, let's try to get the, get over, get this over with. Because, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's our careers. One of the other stark differences that I noticed was the, the unemployment slash government support programs, the, the safety net. I had no idea that a, a functioning government could disperse such support to their people, regardless of their income yeah. or their uh, employment status so quickly in Canada. So quickly. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even a, a question. It was just like, well, 
we all need to stick together. If we're going to, if we're going to request slash mandate that you don't go to work, we have to take care of you. We're going to wire sure money that, into your account. We're going to wire money into your account. Now, uh, you know, tax time, you know, the yeah. checking and balancing, but let's not discuss that beforehand. So we'll send exactly. you the money. We'll send you the money. And then, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I did see that. Uh, and some states did that. Some states in the yeah. U.S. were pretty good at, you know, yep. uh, putting money in relatively quickly. But I've spoke to others that are like, still haven't seen anything, still haven't seen anything. In Canada, it was, it was quite immediate. Um, yeah. You know, and I, so, I hate to be a glub about it, but I mean, there's, that's the way it should be. There's so many people down here that have voted against that time and time again, seeing it as a, as an entitlement or as a welfare or a handout. Like, eh, that's, yeah. that's the support that people can give each other. And it, it's, our industry is so well known for that. It, I don't know why we can't extend that. Things, like where we're always there when, uh, in an event, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, yeah. to, to help out. Yeah, no, I know. I know. You know, it, re- it reminds me of like the SARS Fest that we had up here after SARS. You know, we had 400,000 people or thereabouts. Tickets were 29 bucks and everybody got together and, and saw some of the craziest bands in the world. And, uh, and we're there, to, you know, and I don't know what, what, what's going to happen now. But, uh, but yeah, we're always there. Our industry, we're, we're there. We're, you yeah. know, um, uh, worker bees, so to speak, worker bees. God, I wouldn't give for a COVID fest. I wouldn't give. Oh, my God. How, that's so in our nature. Like, oh, well, the world's falling apart. Let's do a festival where we yeah. all get together and show yeah. support. And yeah. We just, the, I know. that's the and tool that's work, been taken we'll, away we'll from we'll us. We'll work at half rate or we'll work for free to make this happen for everybody. So everybody's like those kumbaya moments. And, and that's what is special about this industry right like it's like we're there we will we'll pump it in and this is the one time this is the one fucking time that we need everybody else's help like we just need people's help like this is an industry yeah this is not this is not a hobby and uh we've always been there we have people put on events and uh you know we're there for charity events we're there for all sorts of you know nonprofit, profit whatever it might be we're there yeah uh, and uh and the these are talented talent talented people out there um that don't have jobs and it's fucking painful to see oh really man painful. it's really but you know um we have to uh we have to uh you know i think make sure that everybody's aware of it like, cause we're so, it's not in our nature to be, you know, yelling and screaming where they're lighting and putting the microphones in front of, uh, you know, politicians to go and do that. And yeah. we're not used to being the ones grabbing the microphone. And so um, it, it's something that, uh, you know, it's taken us a little while to come out of, come out of the, uh, out of the, uh, from the side of the curtain there. And yeah, almost start, six months. Yeah. Almost six months to start going, okay, man, we've been quiet and we've been hoping and we're thinking, but now no one's really, you know, no one's paying attention. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We can, uh, I, all we can do is, uh, you know, do what we can do to bring it to everybody's attention. That there's the, there, this is an industry that is, uh, that is, uh, brings a huge amount of tax dollars and a huge amount of money to the government. And then also at the same time, it, uh, it, um, uplifts people. And so let's keep it, uh, keep it that way somehow. Absolutely. 
That is a great way to, uh, to end the podcast. Uh, anything you guys can do to make sure that uh, if you can return the favor for all the uplifting that you've received. That's right. And, uh, we will continue to be here to uplift in the future. Yeah. I mean, you know, on my street, I'm, I'm, first thing I'm going to do is open up a, uh, a hugging booth. And I'm just going to start fucking hugging people because, you know, this, this, it's been tough. Right. And, uh, and, uh, you know, those, those days of being on a side stage or after a show or before a show and saying hi to people you haven't seen in a long time and giving them a hug, there's going to be some, some serious hugs going on. Right on. Lots of hugs going on. Yeah. It was great chatting with you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so yeah. much for taking the time, Martin. Thank you, Chris. <laughs>